I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm Patty Teal here with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. And we have a very special show today because we have an officer who really saved a very elderly gentleman, I believe, from being scammed. And I, for one, cannot wait to hear the story. Vicki, would you introduce him? Absolutely. I am so happy to have with us today Detective Kyle Lowry with the Santa Barbara Police Department. And he works crimes against property. And I wanted to thank you so much, Detective Lowry, for coming in today because this headline caught my attention. And it's so seldom that we read a headline like this. So let me share it with our listeners. Santa Barbara police officers help recover funds stolen in elder scams. Now, we're used to stories where we get a phone call, somebody reports, usually the victim reports that they've been scammed. Is there any way to get their money back? And the answer is usually no. I am so sorry, but no. So, Detective Lowry, could you just start by telling us, how did this case come to your attention? We were notified by uh, an officer that went out and took a report on July 15th. And he was out there and in talking to the victim, he obviously recognized that a a large amount of money had been transacted by the victim. And so he reached out to us, mainly to ask question and how he might proceed and if there were any steps that we might be able to proactively take to try to stop or return funds to the victim. And so it kind of came about from mainly him asking what steps he could possibly take. And then with that information, we said, well, this definitely a lot of money and we definitely need to move quick if there's any chance of recovering any money. So how old was this victim and what kind of a scam did he get involved in? So he was 90 years old and he had been contacted by scammers that were running a social security administration scam. So he was informed that his social security number was being used and that he had to pay money up front for assistance in an investigation and in rectifying the use of his social security number. He was then told that failure to comply could lead in liability for him. Namely, he was concerned with criminal liability. Right. And who did these people pretend to be? They pretended to be agents from the Social Security Administration initially. He also had another investigating agent. I can't remember where they said they were from. And then ultimately, they actually had somebody call and purport to be from the Santa Barbara Police Department as kind of the final straw for him. And so they actually were threatening criminal penalties. Yes. Initially, they provided him with a bogus case number and a bogus warrant number from a person identifying themselves as an agent with the Social Security Administration with a made-up badge number. Wow. And then kind of started off requesting funds transferred via gift cards. So they provided very detailed instructions for him to obtain $6,000 in gift cards, which he then transacted with them via phone message with the numbers on the back of the gift cards. And I think the important thing to remember there is no government agency takes payments in gift cards. 
So no legitimate transactions from the government are typically ever conducted over the phone. In addition, Green Dot or Visa gift cards or Apple gift cards are never used as legitimate source of payment. He spent $6,000. Is that what I'm hearing? $6,000 on gift cards. And he transferred that money via those gift cards to the scammers. Yeah. So that was the initial sort of step in the process. They instructed him to withdraw cash from his bank and then use that cash to transact the gift cards at a variety of different stores. Once he had sent those off to the scammers, which actually took him a day or two to figure out how to get all of the gift cards and all the different locations. Locations. He then spoke to another bogus officer who basically instructed him that he had to send $50,000 to invest in the Bank of Thailand Bank. Oh my um, gosh. And so at that point, the victim became pretty suspicious about what was going on and actually, to his credit, refused. And then at that point is when he received another phone call from somebody purporting to be from the Santa Barbara Police Department that basically provided similar information that said they had a warrant for his arrest and they'd be at his house within the next 45 minutes to arrest him. Oh my! That definitely scared him into action is the best way to describe it. Once that call from the police department was made and he hung up, he got a call back from the original bogus officer and he basically said, now you know we're serious and gave him instructions on how he would get money and wire it through his bank. All the wire instructions, address, payee, all the information was provided to him. Wow. So what did he do? He did go down to his bank and he had $50,000 wired to the Bangkok Bank in Thailand using the instructions that were provided to him. And I would say to his credit, he was still thinking about the entire transaction. And obviously, without sort of feeling too little too late, he did reach out to some family members, which I know is obviously a big hurdle for a lot of our victims to get through. But as soon as he reached out to his daughter, she had heard the suspects asked for the victim to make a photocopy of his driver's license and to send that to him. So she became very concerned for his his physical safety and contacted the police department thinking that the suspects might now have her dad's address and things like that. And then once we got involved and figured out the financial implications as well, he was very forthcoming. He took notes with the information the suspects provided him over the phone. He provided us with those notes. So we had some sort of points to jump off to and an actual account identified and things like that. We reached out to the bank initially and they were helpful in attempting to recover the money, but very quickly were sort of ready to indicate that the money wouldn't be recoverable. And obviously by this time, almost 36 hours had passed. So we definitely felt at that point we were kind of barking up the wrong tree a little bit. And so we reached out to the Secret Service to see what other options were available just because of the amount of money that was sent, knowing that the likelihood that it was all transacted at the same time on the other end without erasing suspicion from the, the receiver's bank, thought that maybe we might be able to get at least some of it back. And the Secret Service worked tirelessly for the next 24 hours or so with their partners in Thailand and with the Bangkok Bank directly, and were actually able to determine that the funds had not hit the account yet. 
so once we learned that, then we realized that we really had a fighting chance. And so they kind of pushed us across the finish line there and were able to ensure that the Bangkok Bank was aware that the funds were transferred fraudulently. Mm-hmm. And so got their buy-in that they were going to not disperse those funds and that they would be returned. So once that happened, the victim through over the course of a couple of days gets nearly the entirety of his money back. We obviously couldn't recover the, the gift card funds, right. but the wire transfer itself, the, the majority of those funds were able to be recovered. Boy, that's amazing. So $50,000. Return back to the victim, right back to his account. And then obviously working with the family to ensure that safeguards are put in place and things like that. So he can't become a victim again. So his phone number was changed, signing him up for some services to remove his number and unlist his number so that he's not quite as easily contacted. Things of that nature, because the scammers are... They're determined. That's probably oh, they're their, determined. Their yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. what a wonderful story. I know yeah. our listeners will enjoy that as much as I did. It's just so great. And to hear how quickly you worked and took it so seriously and really helped this gentleman. And I think yeah. that's key. I mean, it was 36 hours, which is a miracle that you got the money back, that they hadn't negotiated that transfer. But that was key for you to be able to work that quickly, mm-hmm. be able to get a hold of the Secret Service, have them put the pressure on to get that money back. I have a question. Did the bank report this? Did the bank report any suspicious activities? You'd hope that they might have tried to talk him out of making this transfer and secondly, reporting it. So I do think the bank completed their own suspicious activity report, but just the timeline with which it occurred and we were notified, you know, that hadn't actually run its way through and, and come back to protect the services or anything like that. It's unnerving to know that people can unknowingly send this amount of money to scammers, but sort of the avalanche effect is then they become embarrassed about the fact that it happens. They become less likely to report it or at least less likely to report it contemporaneously to it occurring to give us the opportunity to at least try to recover funds. But like I said, it wasn't even the financial aspect of the phone call that caused his daughter to call. It was more so a physical safety thing for the daughter. But just knowing that he could make this wire transfer in the very next morning, he's on the phone with his daughter. And by midday, we're out there with him with an officer conducting an interview and going over this with them, it does speak to how many more options are available to us when we're dealing with them on the front end, as opposed to through the vicious activity reports or the adult protective services right. reports on the back end. And we're always behind the eight ball on those because it's days and weeks sometimes before we get those reports. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this was just a fortuitous turn of events that people acted quickly and that also that he kept a record of all the routing numbers and all of the things that he was supposed to do. I'm sure that turned out to be helpful. Definitely did. I mean, the bank was able to provide a good amount of the inventory directly from him, which helps in our investigation. And much to the ruthlessness that Patty touched on earlier is while our officer was actually there on scene with the victim, the scammers actually called him again. So even after the $6,000, even after the $50,000, they still continue to reach out to them while our officer was there taking the report the day after he sent the money. So it doesn't stop with 6000 or 50000 It won't stop until the victim is either out of money or they finally say no and, and make those reports. And even then, they're always going to be at risk of being a future victim unless they can take the proper steps and learn some of the key points on how to avoid being a scam victim. 
So I wanted to share some comments that came in following this news article. Here's the first one. Great job to be able to recover the scammed money. Even better to use this case as a public service announcement. So that's what we're doing right now, Detective. We're using this as a public service announcement. Plus, it's a great story. Next one. Let this be a wake-up call to all of us to take the time to sit down and explain common scams to the elders in our lives. I think that's another great point. Next comment, amazing work. I'm impressed. Good job. And then great police work here. In this case, police apparently got cooperation from the victim or their advocates and were able to act quickly. And then the comment goes on to make the point where they've seen cases where the victim has denied the fraud and has failed to cooperate. Here's another I found interesting. The seniors are often lonely, even with family around. They love to answer the phone, get their wallet, pay for something. Glad this was caught. Just be careful. Guard your loved ones. And finally, somebody came up with some tips. And these are tips that we have used often on the show and presentations when we go out and talk to the community. She calls these black and white rules may help older people change their phone habits. Never pick up the phone just because it rings. First rule, let it go to voicemail. If you don't recognize the caller ID or the person, do not pick up the phone. Next rule, never pick up the phone unless you recognize the caller, let it go to voicemail. There is no call so urgent that it cannot go to the answering machine. Voicemail be played back and dealt with at another time. Never respond to a voicemail that is threatening, bullying, or nasty in tone or language. And never respond to a voicemail from someone you don't know. If it's truly important, there will be U.S. mail follow-up. Wait for that and respond after you've had the opportunity to assess something in writing. I think those are all great points. It's important to know that if it's important enough to call you and demand the money or demand you know, your cooperation, it's going to be important enough for somebody to leave a voicemail. And number two is nobody is ever going to rest a case where they're due 50 plus thousand dollars on one singular phone call. Like you said, there's always going to be documentation sent in the mail. Similar to phone, I would say email is the same thing. And the U.S. government and any of these agencies, we love to correspond by mail, whether it's just to keep the post office in business or whether it's because that's the number one way we can guarantee things get delivered. Mail is important. You should always be able to ask for verification. And if somebody's purporting to be from an agency, you can always utilize your own resources to obtain a number for that agency and verify that person's employment. I think we were definitely taken aback by the fact that somebody would call and and purport to be from the Santa Barbara Police Department. That's obviously very personal to us here. And you can always go online and obtain a number or go into your white pages or if worse comes to worse. And if you're about to click the send button on that $50,000, call the non-emergency dispatch number and verify that that person really is who they say they are. That's a life-changing decision for a lot of people in that situation. Absolutely. Well, Detective Lowry, I can't thank you enough to take time out of what I know is a very busy day and come to talk to us on the show and share this wonderful, really, story with our listeners. It's a cautionary tale, and we've come away with some very good tips about how to avoid this, or if you do get caught up in it, what to do. Act quickly. 
Thank you so much for uh, yeah, thank you, Detective Lowry. What a great story. We don't get these as often as we'd like, but we're very happy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Till next week. Bye, Bye everybody. Next week. Bye. Bye.